sexy people. I'm Dr. Tammy and welcome to The Trouble with Sex. I can't tell you how thrilled I am today to talk with sexy Ginger Bentham, the co-host of the podcast Life on the Swing Set, as well as Intellectual Foreplay, dedicated to all humans looking to cultivate creative and fulfilling relationships. And for those curious to learn about swinging, ethical non-monogamy, BDSM, and all kinds of erotic adventures of the heart. Ginger is a relationship revolutionary, absolutely. And what she calls a sexcation provocateur with a mythical twist. I mean, come on, we got to know what that is. And since 2012, she shared her perspectives on life and love as a co-host of the podcasts with her partner, Ryan, And she hosts adventures around the world for curious and intrepid spirits to find their erotic edge and live fully awake. We could not ask for a better guest on The Trouble with Sex. She is the ideal person to talk to if you want to wake up your sexuality, your sense of adventure, and if you want to evolve your alternative lifestyle and your relationship, this is the woman to talk to. Want to create a more exciting, sexy date night? Whether you've just started dating or are already in a committed relationship, the new Date Night Card Deck is designed to bring you and your partner to new heights of passion and romantic intimacy. Created by relationship expert Dr. Tammy Nelson, the Date Night Card Deck includes a variety of sexy and stimulating questions and action cards designed to help you find new ways to communicate and connect. Move your relationship into new realms and maybe even jumpstart a wild and sexy night. Order your Date Night Card Deck today on Amazon. Just type Date Night Card Deck Tammy Nelson. That's Date Night Card Deck Tammy Nelson. Create your exciting and sexy date night today. It all comes down to story. If you're working on a project, whether it's a nonfiction memoir, educational material, or a work of fiction, your ability to engage a reader comes down to telling a compelling story. I'm Douglas Moser, and I've helped writers hone their craft from proposal to finished product. I've coached budding memoirists and talented novelists, helping them find the story and refine their work. With a background in journalism, film, theater, fiction, and nonfiction, I can work with you in any capacity. To learn more, check out my website at douglasmoser.com. That's D-O-U-G-L-A-S-M-O-S-E-R.com. And if you mention the trouble with sex or Dr. Tammy, I'll give you a 20% discount on all our work. I just adore you, Ginger. Thank you so much for being here. Tammy, (laughs) thank you so much. Wow, I'm blushing over here. That's really powerful to hear. So thank you. And it is truly my pleasure to be here. I'm excited we're here together. Me too. Me too. And you know, I'm a little intimidated. You have been doing a podcast for much longer than I have. So you're like a podcast pro. 
You know, I it, it's funny. I, I've tr- tried to maintain my amateur status as best I can in the podcasting to just have a have a blast, have a good time. But it definitely we've been doing it a long time on Life on the Swing Set. And, you know, I think we're in like quantum years at this point for how long the swing set has has existed. And, you know, it started out with a lot of fun and has continued through the ups and downs of living, you know, over a decade together as a swing set crew and also, you know, putting our lives out there in a way that is edutainment, that is there as this is our perspective, this is what we have to offer and take what's yours, leave the rest, have a good time with us, come along with us. There's always a swing available. And lastly, recognizing that we change, we evolve, we age, we, I am not the same woman that I was 12 years ago. Mm -hmm. So that's a fun thing to acknowledge as well. So that longevity is really powerful for me to reflect on. So thank you for that opportunity. Yeah, it's crazy. So you really started this podcast as a way to talk about your lives as what you identified as being swingers or being in an ethically okay. non-monogamous relationship. So it was really to invite people to learn about swinging, to uh-huh. hear your adventures in swinging. And it uh-huh. grew like really fast. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Yeah. It, th- so I'll share that uh, Dylan Thomas and Cooper S. Beckett were the founders of the show, and I was the original fangirl. I sent an email saying, wow, I really find what you're starting to create very compelling. I'm in the field helping folks develop their own relationship design. That's what I do. And finding a resource that was so new at the time that really had that welcoming energy, that had an energy of, you know, not leading with you're going to do this wrong, (laughs) but leading with there are lots of different ways to do this and it's fun and it's challenging and you're going to need to do a lot of looking within. And so when I joined the show just a few months after that, we were off to the races and I was able to offer my perspective, you know, my co-hosts being men, offer my perspective as a woman, certainly, and certainly with Ryan, my partner, him being in the mix as well, you get sort of that that relationship or couple perspective. And so with that said, it was the whole intention was to be that welcoming hand. The intention was to say, if you're curious, just sit back and listen for a while and see what what strikes you and learn from our our wins and our mistakes, both. Mm-hmm. So how do you yeah. guys identify? Do you identify that you're swingers or that you're polyamorous or ethically non-monogamous or how I describe it, openly monogamous? Or mm-hmm. like, how do you guys identify personally? Yeah. So that has evolved over the years. And so Ryan and I have been together since I was 19 years old. So I know. You've grown up together. It's amazing. We have. We really have. We really have. And, you know, our relationship started under the pretense of monogamy. You know, we didn't question the options. And I'm a bisexual woman. And so it hit a point where I was having a conversation with Ryan. He said, well, what do you do with that part of yourself? I wasn't wide out and open that time that early on, but 
he was curious. And we came to the understanding with one another that at that time, physical or erotic monogamy wasn't a value that we held. We felt adventurous. He certainly wanted me to live the fullest expression of my sexuality. I wanted the same for him. And so that's where we started in our own awareness of wanting to be open. And then the next piece of the puzzle was, okay, what do we do about that? And the most available thing for us at that time, gosh, 20 years ago, 20 was swinging. And so we got on probably adult friend finder and and found <laughs> found a community of people. You are that, dating yourself with that. I know, I know. And I do it with pride, yes, Tammy. <laughs> do it, do it. And, you know, we hit that point where we're like, oh, this is an adventure that we can enjoy together. And we did, and we enjoyed it very much. We found community. But we also found different people doing it different ways. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there was the recreational sex route. Awesome. Leave it on the weekend. There was what we eventually deemed on the swing set as progressive swinging, which is, you know, was a big deal at the time when we shared that, which is, yeah, I want to have really awesome sex with this person on the weekend, but I wouldn't mind going to their family barbecue that next weekend and just being friends and enjoying life together that we didn't have to compartmentalize. And so Ryan and I really found ourselves in that camp of the progressive swinging. And then soon after that, we had a woman come into our life, uh, our first other partner that really opened us into polyamory. The word I use is multi-partnering. Yeah, me too. Because it kind of encompasses it all. So I say we multi-partner and then if people want the longer answer, I'm always prepared to give that. Yeah, I love that. Like in my book, Open Monogamy, where I say that you can, you know, design any kind of partnership agreement you want, but you still have the sort of primary or central relationship. Now, not everybody has that and they don't always want to sort of define their relationship that way. But Mm -hmm. I find that a lot of people do. They want a central commitment and they don't want to give that up. They want Mm -hmm. that unique relationship to last, but they don't have to necessarily be exclusive sexually or even emotionally or romantically. And there's so many ways to do it. Like you're saying, like there's such a variety, as many, as many varieties as there are relationships, I think. I I completely agree. And and that's the beauty of it is that I do use that phrase relationship design. And we don't live in a culture that ordains designing your relationship. It's one size fits all till death do us part. (laughs) And, you know, if you step outside of that, you're the one that's suspect. And so, you know, there's a lot of, of, of shame and a lot of what I would offer. And I say this with no judgment, but just lack of creativity. There are some folks that what was handed to them is, is fine. And what I offer is, If that works for you, of course, like, but let it be the examined life. Let it be the examined, you know, and I I always reflect back to my journey with Ryan, which is we did evolve over time because we were listening to the shifts and changes throughout. So we were open to being physically open and then hit a point where an amazing woman came into our life and what were we were going going to do with those emotions and so then we had to have those conversations again about our relationship agreements and be able to offer what we could as i use the phrase anchor partners mm-hmm. because i i tend not to use the word primary but that's just my preference 
But then she came into our life. And what are we supposed to do with these emotions? Oh, let's allow them. Let's adventure. Let's see what happens with, of course, you know, pristine respect and trust in the relationship, meaning we're making sure that she's she's getting her needs met as well, because there is that couple privilege aspect that needs to be acknowledged in, in those relationship structures. Yeah, it's so interesting that you know, even people who say that they're traditionally monogamous and are holding on to that structure, mm-hmm. so many of them are in, and I'm not, I don't mean to laugh, but so many of them are in what I call this fake monogamy, where they're yeah. saying on the outside, oh, no, we're monogamous, but, you know, 45% of them are cheating. And so, yeah. it, the you know, the ideal becomes more important than the reality. Mm-hmm. And I get it. it. It keeps us safe, you know, to hold on to that. Um, yeah. to that outside uh, look that we're um, that we're showing the world. And I totally get it. Mm-hmm. And I but there's something about you guys that you have been so transparent about who you really are. Like, that's a big difference. What a risk. You know, all these people mm-hmm. that are sort of faking their monogamy. And then you guys who were like, no, we're we're totally fine with being honest and being out there. Like, how yeah. how did you do that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The- It's interesting. I think there's an element to it, Tammy, for us that was part of who we are as as a commitment to radical honesty in in self first and with one another that I want to be my truest true self with me first. (laughs) I don't want to be hiding my own pleasure or my own desire or my own expansion from myself first. And then in Ryan's case, it was very, it was reciprocated, but I would offer is it existed in our relationship first Mm -hmm. before then these conversations, which can be very, you know, emotionally charged. I get it. But we were open to really learning each other and wanting to be as fulfilled in self and fulfilled in our relationship as we could be. We're also very open to what the phrase I use is metabolizing shame. It's like there's no reason to have this resistance in our erotic and sexual pleasure with self or with one another. And that includes then if we want to invite other people into that, then, you know, that definitely has shaped it's sort of, you know, snowballed as it went in like the radical honesty begat more radical honesty. And then it just felt so good. And I think that's the tricky part for for a lot of folks. You mentioned safety. It's like, okay, safety is safety. It serves a purpose. But can you cultivate that safety and security while also expanding your consciousness or expanding your relationship, risk taking um, shoulder to shoulder? Uh, we're doing this together. We're not doing it to solve a deficit. We're not doing it in spite of one another. <laughs> we're not doing it for solely one another. It was truly a shoulder-to-shoulder adventure all the way along. And it wasn't without its rocky times. Well, that's what I was going to ask you, too. I like how you sort of said that there were levels to this, that first you're honest with yourself, then with your partner, then maybe with other people. And then it's kind of like, coming out to the rest of the world. But first, you got to right. be honest in those inner levels. And yeah. I'm wondering what challenges are coming up for you now. I mean, you've been doing this for a while. 
but it's not without its ongoing issues for sure. I think about challenges coming up for us now in the sense that the the now for me feels a little bit long because there was this element of being with Ryan as an anchor partner through what we lived through the last three years, which was, mm. you know, being anchor partners through pandemic times, which was different for those of us who multi-partner about the choices that we had to make. So it's almost like there's this like pause in between that allowed us to clear the decks, sort of metabolize, really get anchored in what we value in our relationship. Mm -hmm. I would say the challenges that were present sort of just before that were really kind of your traditional, if you can say traditional polyamory challenges (laughs) of it's almost I want to say contradiction traditional. In terms. It is, but but let's maybe not let it be. But you know, it was was time. It was, you know, allotting time. It was mm-hmm. when are you spending time with this partner? When am I spending time with that partner? So it was very kind of the practical level. I think one of the things that Ryan and I really took on right away that has really cleared our way is to really look at jealousy and when jealousy would ever show up as a reminder to look inward for what we need. So recognizing jealousy is an overarching umbrella term that can mean infinite number of things within self. But we really nailed that early on to look inward first and say, we are choosing this relationship structure. We choose each other every day. He's never a consolation prize. I'm only acting from love, truly. And then if I'm feeling jealous, that means there's something I get to ask for and we can negotiate to get that need met, but it doesn't need to detract from him in that relationship. And I, I just, I always use an example of a partner, you know, Ryan loves to pamper his partners and I don't receive that well. (laughs) I'm like, I got it. I'm fine. You know, it's you don't need to do all that. No candy and roses. And then I wait. Saw can I have him. his phone number? Absolutely. <laughs> and you know, then I see how he's treating another partner, and I immediately think that is coming from me having a need there. He can give in abundance to that partner. I actually get really compersively vibed up. Like I love that that the compersion, his pleasure in his pleasure, and pleasure in his partner's pleasure. But then I realized, oh, maybe there is room for me to grow into some pampering. So we really used it as a lens to look inward and clear those clear those blockages because they they do show up over and over again. And as as soon as we recognize the theme, it was like, I'm done with this. I don't want to feel jealousy anymore. And I know it's it's kind of almost taboo to say it, but I really do feel like I don't feel jealousy any longer because I know immediately what to do to transmute it. I immediately can ask for what I need. He's very responsive and and I get more because of what I'm learning about myself, about how he acts with his other partners. Yeah, I like what you said about, first of all, that the, one of the challenges, just management of life and calendars mm-hmm. and schedules. Yeah. That's definitely yeah. one of my trigger issues, if you want to call it that. Mm-hmm. I have no time in my calendar and I'm so jealous of other people that have all these partners that can manage all this fun yeah. and, and go away and have these retreats and stuff. I'm like, wait... How do you do that? And then the second part that you said I really love is when I feel jealous, it means that there's something I need to ask for. I've never heard it put Mm -hmm. that way. I think that's brilliant. 
And I think we all need to look at it that way. Like, what is happening in me that I need more of or that I need to look at? You know, I've always heard about, you know, it's about you, whatever, but it really is more than just, okay, it's about me. It's something that we need to talk about that perhaps, you know, it's like a canary in the coal mine, like something's happening that I need, but it's in my coal mine. It's not necessarily the relationship coal mine. It's about me and what I need. And it's a, it's a great tool. And I really like that you guys have, have pushed through that and asked for that and, and recognized it for what it is. And, you know, I get questions all the time about like, what if your partner falls in love with someone else? And I'm like, well, your partner could fall in love with someone else anytime. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and even, even falling in love with someone else doesn't necessarily mean that it takes away from what we have. And that's a tough, a tough concept for people. And it makes sense when you ask, well, there's something I need to ask for. And maybe what I need to ask for is more, more experiences of love between us or more, yeah. more dates or whatever that represents for you, more security, yeah. more, more talking, more confidence, whatever it is. Yep. Yeah, I love that. Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll be right back. Are you at a crossroads in your relationship? Are you or your partner hesitant to commit the time and money to weekly couples therapy? You can resolve your conflict, work through affairs, increase intimacy, improve communication by working one-on-one with me, Dr. Tammy, in an intensive. It's similar to a couples workshop, but it's in-person, private, just for the two of you, for a whole day or even two days. Come for an in-depth intervention that could last a lifetime. For more information, go to drtammynelson.com. That's D-R-T-A-M-M-Y Nelson.com. And give yourself and your partner the relationship you both deserve. Have you started to think about that sexy date night? Well, here's just a sampling of some of the cards. Touch your partner in a way that you'd like to be touched. Or how about this one? Describe a sexual fantasy you would never take into action but have thought about. To get your deck, just go to Amazon and type Date Night Card Deck Tammy Nelson. That's Date Night Card Deck Tammy Nelson. Create your exciting and sexy date night today. You know, I want to ask you a bunch of questions. One is what it's like to be such a strong sexual woman in this world, because I think that's hard to manage. But really, you know, what do you think is the biggest trouble with sex today? Is it partly being able to maneuver and manage this as a woman? Or is it a bigger, a bigger global question? It's, there's so much in that juxtaposition of being a woman, being a feminist, it, you know, being overtly and overly sexualized, but also, you know, choosing to wear sex on my sleeve because that's my choice. And I want to lead with my erotic energy and lead with my desire and with my pleasure. I want to do that in every aspect of my life. This isn't, you know, the little black dress that I put on to go to dinner. This isn't, you know, the the sexy lingerie that I wear on occasion. And that's who I am when I'm in that energy. I want to live and breathe that in every moment. It's how I feel most alive. And I would say that that estrangement from our erotic energy, particularly as women, socialized women, as women in this culture, uh, it takes a lot of extra 
embodiment. It takes a lot of extra noticing of my sovereignty, of claiming my sovereignty, of overcoming trauma, of there's a lot that we have to do (laughs) before we can just show up and feel and experience sexy. I don't think we look sexy. I think we feel and experience sexy. And I want that for me. I don't want that for anyone else unless I'm going to gift it to them. Mm -hmm. And so that to me, when I think about the question of the trouble with sex is, is having a relationship with pleasure that puts pleasure first, that pleasure has intrinsic value to me in the way I live my life. I want to live it. I want to breathe it. I want to follow it as its path. And what a powerful way to do that is in sex and sexuality and eroticism and really ordaining that as having value in my life. And so I would offer that that's the flip side of the coin of the trouble is, you know, sex is very goal oriented often. It's very, you know, two minutes of someone's pleasure (laughs) and someone else might be walking away with what was that that didn't bring me any pleasure. But if we're all paying attention to pleasure all the time. Sex not only looks different, but it feels fulfilling. And same with relationships. Following our pleasure is such a powerful answer to so many questions. Hmm. And then everyone feels juicy. And so formulaic sex centered on ejaculation or orgasm and not the meandering long, you know, sex having to fit in five minute or 10 minute increments of your life after you just lived a 17 hour day. So if we lead with pleasure, I think it it relieves a lot of the trouble with sex. <laughs> you know, it's so funny as, I'm, as I'm, I'm listening to you, I'm sitting here thinking, God, what would it be like to just stay in my sexual pleasure all the time? And I realize, you know, yeah. how much I've compartmentalized that to live in yeah. the world today, just to live, to walk outside. Yeah. You know, how much you have to, as a woman, put that away to feel like you have to protect it. It feels so vulnerable. And, um, and, you know, I just, I know so many women who experience that too. I think about my daughter who, you know, as she was growing up was experiencing that and enjoying that and loving that. And then she had experiences where she was like, oh shit, I got to put that, I got to put that away. I got to hide that. And I, and I have to tell her, yeah, there's part of you that has to protect yourself now. And that's a, that was a horrible experience for both her and me as her mother. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I don't want that to get lost, mm-hmm. that idea, Tammy, because there is a very clear reason many women have to protect, we have to protect ourselves, you know, and this is where I could go into, but I'm not going to go too deep into, you know, trans lives and other, you know, queer lives and being in that space also intersectionally, you know, I'm a white woman. So how I relate to my sense of safety is different from my friends who are black or uh, brown or, 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 and I have to be aware of that in myself as well, see my privilege, but also always bringing it back for me to, I'm claiming this for me first and foremost. I'm not claiming this to be of service to my partners, um, although that's a part of it. But it's, it's I want to feel so full and willing to do what I need to do to protect myself, but also to take that risk for myself to live with as much erotic flow 
as I can. Now, that doesn't mean I go out with like full, you know, awesome cleavage and the red lipstick every time. I mean, I think we have the right in, in to do that. But for me, I am moderating myself in certain environments. I am aware of my safety and security, and I'm willing to stretch myself and put myself in positions in other times with other people in other circumstances where I can be fully at ease, where I can fully follow, follow my pleasure, while I, where I know consent is not going to be questioned. And so I, I pointedly put myself in those positions in addition to, you know, experiencing my own pleasure through solo sex and and my connection to my own pleasure in my safest, most secure place. So it does take a lot of attention and intention to feel in your own skin without question. And I know that that's a part of the, the path that I travel. And I also know there are a lot of those who are traveling that path with even more intense challenges to their safety and security. And I just... I want to recognize that it's it's a fraught path and it's worth it to the extent that we can resource ourselves to live and breathe in that space. And for some people, resourcing ourselves is a lot more effort than others. And I'm doing the best I can for myself to stay juicy and and also feel safe and secure Well, at the same time. I think you're a great role model. I mean, the reality is this is who we are. This is, this yeah. is the reality of who we are as people, as women. And so, you know, how much we can step into that power, you know, that pleasure really is our power. Being in our pleasure is being in our power and staying in that space. Yes, it takes a lot of courage and a lot of bravery to be that person, to be our whole selves and to own that this is who we are and that we don't have to hide that. We don't have to compartmentalize that. Mm -hmm. And what would it be like to live full time in that in that self, in that self of who we really are? And it just makes you think about how much we spend our lives, you know, shutting down parts of ourselves and the parts of ourselves that are really the most accessible for pleasure. And that, you know, the resistance to those parts, yes, we have a lot of good reasons for that, but how much more alive we would feel if we could be in that. And you certainly are a great example of that. So thank you from all of us. I really, I really appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. I take that deeply to heart with humility and grace for sure. No, it's great. We have a question from a listener. (laughs) It's from a beginner from Tulsa. (laughs) I don't know if it's a man or a woman or a trans person, but they say the poly and swinger lifestyles sound really exciting to both me and my partner. But the thought also feels overwhelming to juggle multiple relationships. It also feels potentially threatening. Oh, interesting. Yeah, we were talking about that. How do we dip our toe in to see what works for us? What's a good first step that will help us feel safe while allowing us to open up and explore? Hmm, great question. Thanks, beginner from Tulsa. Appreciate you opening up. Yeah, that is a fantastic question. I may I take take the lead here and share <laughs> questions <laughs> for you. You're the expert I love here. It. I love it. I would say, you know, the first thing that I offer is. Everything on the relationship opening up journey can be in service to the relationship you're in now. It can enhance your communication, enhance your pleasure. It can help you learn about each other. It certainly helps you learn about yourself. And so if we start with that, that mindset or heart set even of we're going to do this to expand 
our experience. And we're going to go slow. We're going to learn it as it comes. And it can all be in service to the, to the strengthening of the relationship you're in now. And what I also offer is everything in the dipping the toe in part can be very low or even no stakes in some ways because there are ways to start with fantasy. There are ways to start with going to a a party and making an agreement that everything, you know, that even flirting might be off the table, but we're going to go observe and we're going to be adventurers and we're going to come home together and process that together. And really a part of this is letting our nervous systems and our uh, calibrate and our relationship co-create or co-regulation calibrate Mm -hmm. because everyone's risk feels the same. And so the first, that first piece I would offer is let it serve your relationship and go as slow as necessary to feel safe and secure to learn about each other and then take that next step. If I see anything, it's, you know, most times folks who open up, it's like, oh, all this freedom. I'm going to do everything once or twice (laughs) and bring that enthusiasm of that freedom. And what I offer is nothing that's for you will pass you by. You can always, you know, go into these circumstances with a little more expansion in your relationship agreements, but start slow and learn about each other in that process. Let it strengthen your relationship first and then dive into that just that one next thing. Yeah, starting slow is very, very anchoring and grounding and when you're opening up for the first time. Yeah, great advice. I give people some exercises in my book, Open Monogamy, to mm-hmm. have some what-if conversations. You know, what if... if what if this were to happen? What could be the potential positives and what could be the problems? And mm-hmm. to have those conversations for a long time, like you said, to talk about it in yeah. fantasy first, and yeah. you could go on those fantasies forever and not do anything. You don't have to take mm-hmm. things into action. But what you're saying, Ginger, is to really talk about these things first and during and after. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's also important. And to really let your, I like how you say you let your nervous systems kind of co-regulate and calibrate. You're also letting your relationship sort of co-regulate and calibrate. You know, one partner might be a little bit more adventurous and more confident. The other person might want to take things a little slower. And I think it takes a while to find that rhythm and the balance. And I think that goes on forever, right? I mean. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, Tammy. I feel I I call that moving at the speed of trust. Mm, I like that. And so you're moving at the speed of trust always because. I hope that Ryan and I will continue to expand our horizons in in many, many ways, like, you know, whether it's in the kinky realm or it's in the, you know, new relationship energy with new partners or, 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 or. And that's still an expansion. That's still a stretch. That's still a risk. And, you know, each person is a separate universe. So you, his idea of risk is different from my idea of risk. And we can cultivate that self-intimacy and intimacy with one another And only when we're both in trust and safety and security are we going to get the best result from the experiment, (laughs) from the adventure. Mm -hmm. So I I love that idea of moving at the speed of trust because you're right, Tammy, it's not it's not going to be even. It's not going to be even Steven. (laughs) No, it's never (laughs) even Steven. Right. It's just not. 
Yeah. How, you had much more fun at that party than I did. Mm-hmm. Well, how come you mm-hmm. like, how come you do lit this and how come you get that? Yeah. Right. I've heard right. those conversations. So can sure. you share before we end and run out of time, I really want to talk about the retreats that you guys started and the swing set retreats and life on the swing set parties where you go away. Like this is this is a, a big thing now that you've started. You know, the podcast has been around for over a decade. And so in doing that, we've cultivated a planetary community <laughs> of humans. I mean, we've had folks come on our trips from from Egypt, from India, from Australia, from like all over the world because, you know, podcasts can reach all of these places. And so next thing you know, there's this global community of swing setters and it then pulled us in the direction of what I describe as meat space. It's like, oh, you know, it, I want to be in meat space with you. I want to have some of these adventures. And it started with going to, you know, sex cons and, you know, play spaces and gathering our people there. And then we moved to these bigger events down in Mexico, but we also have our, we call our regionals, you know, like it's a tournament, <laughs> the regional events all around the states and getting people together. And now swing setters are doing it themselves. It's a beautiful community in that way. Not everything is sourced from, from, you know, the center. And so that feels amazing. Those, those retreats can be in the form of, you know, they're very fun fun focus. They're very much about play, but it's a group of thinkers and people like to know the whys and people like to do the self-examination and self-exploration with folks who are on a similar journey. And so there's just as much value in folks talking to each other in those circumstances as there might be in the structured experiences of workshops on energetic connection and whatnot. So they tend to be pretty light on the retreat side of things, really heavy on the fun and easeful connection, very consent focused without question, as inclusive as we can be in every environment. And we just love to go and have a good time (laughs) as well. Who doesn't? Like, that sounds so fun. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I just got a note from the sound engineer who said, Wait, meat space is that M E A T or M E E T? I'm like, oh, I guess it could be both. I guess it could be both, but yeah, I'm, I, I was thinking more meat space, like going, you know, yeah, I don't know. There's yeah. a there's a sexual innuendo there that we can just leave right there. Absolutely, it could be all those things. <laughs> Good. And then I have a question from my producer who says, "Do you have your own other partners, or do you have a thruple, or how is that working now for you?" If you don't mind answering. Yeah, not at all. No, that's a great question. So it's in our relationship agreements and was from the start that we are both sovereign human beings with agency and want each other to be as fulfilled as possible. Now, at first, when we started to move to explore, we were doing it together. And it's a pretty common experience in that path to start together and move at the speed of trust and grow into if you feel called to these solo experiences. So Ryan did quite a lot of traveling earlier on in our relationship. And so we embarked on him having, you know, solo partners in other parts of the country. And that was lovely. And then it just evolved into, we now 
as our relationship agreements stand, are able to date separately, to have connections, whatever those may be with other people separately. I will say we also have partners in common. And we also have partners that are metamors to each other, meaning, you know, partners that I don't have a romantic or sexual connection with, but Ride does. And we also have a partner right now who we are in a triad setup. And so we all have relationship with each other and enjoy the relationship as three as well. Nice. Nice setup. Mm-hmm. I have a little, really is lovely. I have a little tickle of jealousy going on. Oh, or maybe a FOMO, yeah. you know, like, oh, yeah. wow, that's yeah. so fun. And yeah. a lot to manage time-wise. But mm-hmm. it sounds like you're able to do it with your calendars. <laughs> you know, what it is, is that, honestly, it's being realistic about my offer. Um, and when I say that, I always say, if you're going to start to date, if you're going to get on, you know, the dating sites, especially as a multi-partner person, be really honest about your offer. Start with this is how I roll in relationship. This is what I have to offer. This is what I have to give. And I'm very realistic about that with all of my partners. And I encourage that radical honesty. We call it face value communication all the time. And so I'm just really honest. Like if I'm really hardcore into writing a book or something, I'm like, hey, everybody knows the drill. And I'm really honest about that when I start to date someone very clearly to say, I'm going to show you, you know, show and tell, little landscape about my whole world. And this is what I have to offer because I want them to consensually opt in to know that that's that's going to be how our relationship looks and feels. Always open to negotiation, but I can only be honest about my own capacity and boundaries. Great. Awesome. Yeah. I could talk to you for hours. I just want to ask you more (laughs) questions and chat with you. But we have to bring this to a close. And because gotcha. we have boundaries, you know, we have to. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> I, I actually have a date right after this. So oh my no, God. no, I don't. <laughs> oh, my God. You're killing me. You are one of the sexiest people I know and one of the brightest. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us and also teaching us some real important life skills today. I really I just love having you on. Thank you so much. Truly my pleasure, Tammy. Thank you so much. It's It's been such a fun conversation and I look forward to many more. How can people reach you? How can they find you? And how can they have more of you? Hmm. Well, what I will offer is Life on the Swing Set is there. So, you know, that's really easy peasy. There's wherever podcasts are found. Wherever podcasts are found. And my favorite spot on socials, I actually do love connecting on socials. Even sometimes it can feel a little bit fraught as a woman in that space, but I'm willing to do it and really, really willing to have fun with that for myself. So that's on Instagram, actually, Tammy, at Ginger Bentham. B-E-N-T-H-A-M. B-E-N-T-H-A-M. Sort of like the father of hedonism. That's right. Well, Jeremy Bentham reference there. Absolutely. I love that. So please, everyone, all you sexy listeners, Find Ginger Bentham on Instagram, connect with her on Life on the Swing Set, listen to years of podcasts about swinging and ethical monogamy, and find out more about the Life on the Swing Set retreats. We will put that information in our show notes. Until next time, I'm Dr. Tammy. This has been another episode of The Trouble with Sex. If you want your questions answered, email me at drtammy at thetroublewithsex.com and we'll try to put it on one of our episodes with one of our brilliant experts. Thanks, everybody. 
Have a question about your relationship or sexual wellness? Visit thetroublewithsex.com and click on Ask Dr. Tammy to send us your questions. For sex-positive tips, live events, and updates, join our mailing list and follow us on Instagram at The Trouble With Sex. Listen to episodes of The Trouble With Sex on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Please share and rate the show. We so appreciate and thank you for supporting us. The Trouble With Sex is produced by Brandy Savage. Audio for this episode was designed by Bethany Knoll Production. This episode was engineered and mixed by Bruce Hirschfield. Music by Bruce Hirschfield. Thank you.